We're covering the one of the top news stories this weekend, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. My previous guest thinks Americans might be seeking abortion care in Mexico and Canada and that our government should help them and also uh, protect their privacy in the process. Here is Prime Minister Trudeau on the decision. Today's a difficult day. The judgment coming out of the United States is an attack on women's freedom, and quite frankly, it's an attack on everyone's freedoms and rights. Let me be really, really clear. In Canada, we will always defend women's rights to choose and continue to work to expand uh, access to the full range of reproductive and health and services uh, across the country. But today, I think of those generations of women around the world, and specifically in the United States, who fought so hard to gain rights and continue to fight today to get more and more rights because there's so, so much more work to do and are facing this devastating setback. It shows how much standing up and fighting for rights matters every day, that we can't take anything for granted, that we need to continue to stand strong to defend everybody's rights and freedoms in Canada and where we are here internationally, standing up internationally as well, which Canada will do, whether it's uh, fighting for women's rights here in Africa or supporting people fighting for their rights in the United States and elsewhere. That was Prime Minister Justin Trudeau talking about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So how did we get here? Nicole Huberfeld is a law professor at Boston University, and she joins us on the line now. Good morning, Nicole. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Nicole, uh, let's understand the actual ruling, because you write that the ruling does not mean that abortion is banned throughout the U.S. What do you mean by that? Yes, thank you for starting with that question, because I think there can be quite a lot of confusion. So the decisions in Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey, 1973 and 1992 Supreme Court decisions, held that there was a constitutional right called the right to privacy that protected access to abortion. And that made it so that states could only have certain kinds of regulations during the course of pregnancy that would limit access to abortion. And so now states can choose how they will regulate abortion, whether that be to ensure access, as states, for example, in New England are doing, like Massachusetts and Connecticut, or whether states choose to ban access, like some states, such as Texas and Oklahoma, are doing. And so it doesn't mean that there's a new national stance. The Supreme Court didn't decide what the national stance should be, but rather, in the words of the majority of the court, turned it back to the states and their people. So this isn't a ban, but rather more of a free-for-all. Okay. I was reading uh, something that Neil Katyal was saying about it. He's a constitutional law expert in the States. He was also a former acting U.S. Solicitor General. And he said the clincher is that the this matter of whether a legislature decides that they want to criminalize it. If they want to say, oh, if you're obtaining an abortion, it means you go to jail or someone helping you, a doctor, an Uber driver. Um, so that the, is that that the states will then decide what gets criminalized according to the, to the change? That's correct. So there is still a judicial standard of review here, but it isn't the heightened scrutiny that courts apply when there's a constitutional right at stake. Rather, 
what will happen is that courts will apply what we call rational basis review, meaning they try to decide whether the state legislature has a legitimate goal in mind and the law is a rational way to achieve that legitimate goal. And so the question will become, is it a legitimate goal to criminalize abortion? Is it a legitimate goal to decide that women can't have an abortion for any reason after fertilization, as Oklahoma has tried to do? And those are questions that will continue to be answered in the courts because courts will have to decide what is a legitimate purpose. And that is going to vary, and it's going to create more confusion, and it's going to actually create more litigation, not less. So though the court's opinion reads as if Justice Alito thinks he's sort of throwing this out of federal courts, I actually believe federal courts are going to have a much harder time figuring out what a legitimate state purpose is at this point. Where does this decision fit into the history of reproductive rights in the U.S.? This decision is unique in constitutional rights in the United States. There has been no instance of the court reversing itself on protecting a civil right. And this right has been in existence for 50 years. It has become part of a web of rights related to intimate relationships. And so though the court was at pains to say this is just about abortion because abortion involves fetal life, in reality, the way that all of these decisions have been written over time is that they are interrelated. So the right to privacy also protects the ability to access contraception, both for married people and single people. It's related to other intimate relationships, say the right to marry or the right to decide to procreate, uh, the right not to be forcibly sterilized by your government. All of these intimate relationships are protected by the same doctrines in the U.S. Constitution. And so when people are saying, other rights are now at stake. They're not being alarmist. It's that the court has actually written these decisions to be a sort of web of constitutional rights. Do you think most people have that understanding in the States? No, I don't, actually. I think it's pretty hard to understand how all of these things fit together unless you're a legal expert. And I think the real issue, frankly, is that uh, popular uh, public confusion is already a problem. And we saw this when, for example, Texas enacted, you may have heard of SB8, that was the law that forbid abortion after six weeks and made it so that private vigilantes could enforce that law. Women in Texas didn't know what that meant, and healthcare providers in Texas didn't know what that meant. And they started traveling to other states to access abortion because they simply didn't know what the status of the law was. And I think that's the real problem, is that just the conversation itself is confusing, And it will make it so that there will have to be major public health campaigns on the part of the federal government, the Biden administration, and on the part of states that are supportive of reproductive care throughout the life course to ensure that people understand what kind of care is available. Quite often, the people who are requiring that care don't have uh, the education that you're even talking about there that one would need to understand how to navigate the system now. Where will that leave, uh, for example, poor and vulnerable women in the States who are seeking abortions? It's such an important question. Over time, access to abortion has become increasingly concentrated amongst low-income women and particularly Black women in the United States, people who have less access to preventive care in general. And these are the same vulnerable populations who are less likely to have um, access to good education, well-paying jobs, other kinds of supports. And so 
I think the confusion that will reign after this decision will hit vulnerable populations especially hard, and it will make it much harder for them to understand what kind of reproductive care is available. Nicole, thank you for your time this morning on a, on a Sunday morning. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.